You're listening to The Ancient Tradition. A Wonk Media Production. Music provided by Joseph McDade. Here's your host, Dr. Jack Logan. Welcome to The Ancient Tradition. I'm your host, Jack Logan. In this podcast, Audio Writ, you'll find recordings of ancient and modern writings, which are directly relevant to the Ancient Tradition podcast, which refers to the first religious tradition imparted to human beings in the beginning. On this platform, you can find an entire podcast dedicated to trying to reconstruct that first religious tradition from all of the evidence that we can find in the historical record. If you haven't given it a listen, just search for the Ancient Tradition podcast or visit our website, theancienttradition.com. Today's audio recording is of the ancient Egyptian Shabaka stone, which dates to King Shabaka, the third king of the 25th dynasty, who reigned from 705 to 690 BC. Although the stone dates to 710 BC, the stone's introduction says it was copied from a worm-ridden papyrus that had been found in the great temple of Ptah in Memphis. And this is important because Memphis was founded at the very beginning of dynastic Egypt around 2925 BC, some 2,000 years before King Shabaka's reign. If the inscription written on the Shabaka stone is indeed a copy of a papyrus record from the early days of Memphis, then the Shabaka stone may be the world's earliest surviving creation story. One scholar, Homer W. Smith, contends the Shabaka stone is, quote, the oldest written record of human thought. Not all scholars agree, though. Several prominent Egyptologists date it back to at least the Old Kingdom, which spanned between 2700 and 2200 BC, because linguistically its language is similar to the language used in the pyramid texts that are dated to the 5th dynasty. More modern scholars don't date it quite back that far. The stone was acquired by the British Museum in London in 1805, where you can still find it on display to this day. So if you're in London, be sure and check it out in the British Museum. It was housed in the British Museum for nearly 100 years before an American Egyptologist by the name of James Breasted in 1901 began a really painstaking process of trying to decipher it. And it was only then that the British Museum really realized the profound significance of what they had in their possession. The stone's inscription begins with a list of King Shabaka's royal names. And then this is followed by a dramatic recounting of the unification of Upper and Lower Egypt. The dramatic nature of this section of the inscription will be pretty noticeable because the stone, like a dramatic script, tells who is to speak to whom, like Geb speaks to Thoth. It also seems to give stage directions when it tells characters where to move, like Seth moved to Upper Egypt. After this section, the stone gives an account of the supreme god Ptah's creation of the gods, the cosmos, and the earth of which we are particularly interested in because this plays an important role in our sister podcast, The Ancient Tradition. The Shabaka Stone The living Horus, who prospers the two lands. The two ladies, who prospers the two lands. The golden Horus, who prospers the two lands. 
the king of Upper and Lower Egypt, Nefrakari, the son of Re, Shabaka, beloved of Ptah, south of his wall, who lives like Re forever. This writing was copied out anew by his majesty in the house of his father, Ptah, south of his wall. For his majesty found it to be a work of the ancestors, which was worm-eaten, so that it could not be understood from beginning to end. His majesty copied it anew, so that it became better than it had been before, in order that his name might endure and his monument last in the house of his father, Ptah, south of his wall throughout eternity, as a work done by the son of Re, Shabaka, for his father, Ptah Tatenin, so that he might live forever. King of Upper and Lower Egypt is this Ptah, who is called by the great name Tatenin, south of his wall, Lord of Eternity. The joiner of Upper and Lower Egypt is he, this uniter who arose as king of Upper Egypt and arose as king of Lower Egypt. Self-begotten, so says Atum, who created the nine gods. Horus and Ptah are one. Geb, lord of the gods, commanded that the nine gods gather to him. He judged between Horus and Seth. He ended their quarrel. He made Seth king of Upper Egypt in the land of Upper Egypt, up to the place in which he was born, which is Su. And Geb made Horus king of Lower Egypt in the land of Lower Egypt, up to the place in which his father was drowned, which is division of the two lands. Thus Horus stood over one region, and Seth stood over one region. They made peace over the two lands at Ayan. That was the division of the two lands. Geb's words to Seth. Go to the place in which you were born. Seth. Upper Egypt. Geb's words to Horus, go to the place in which your father was drowned. Horus, move to Lower Egypt. Geb's words to Horus and Seth, I have separated you, Lower and Upper Egypt. Then it seemed wrong to Geb that the portion of Horus was like the portion of Seth. So Geb gave to Horus his inheritance for he is the son of his firstborn son. Geb's words to the nine gods. I have appointed Horus the firstborn. Geb's words to the nine gods. Him alone, Horus the inheritance. Geb's word to the nine gods. To this heir, Horus, my inheritance. Geb's word to the nine gods. To the son of my son, Horus, the jackal of Upper Egypt. Geb's words to the nine gods. The firstborn, Horus, the opener of the ways. Geb's words to the nine gods. The son who was born. Horus, on the birthday of the opener of the ways. Then Horus stood over the land. He is the uniter of this land, proclaimed in the great name, Tatenin, south of his wall, lord of eternity. Then sprouted the two great magicians upon his head. He is Horus, who arose as king of Upper and Lower Egypt, who united the two lands in the gnome of the wall, the place in which the two lands were united. Reed and papyrus were placed on the double door of the house of Ptah. That means Horus and Seth 
pacified and united. They fraternized so as to cease quarreling in whatever place they might be, being united in the house of Ptah, the balance of the two lands in which upper and lower Egypt had been weighed. This is the land, the burial of Osiris in the house of Sokar, Isis and Nephthys without delay, for Osiris had drowned in his water. Isis and Nephthys looked out, beheld him, and attended to him. Horus speaks to Isis and Nephthys, hurry, grasp him. Isis and Nephthys speak to Osiris, we come, we take you. They heeded in time and brought him to the land. He entered the hidden portals in the glory of the lords of eternity. Thus Osiris came into the earth at the royal fortress, to the north of the land to which he had come. And his son Horus arose as king of Upper Egypt, arose as king of Lower Egypt, in the embrace of his father Osiris, and of the gods in front of him and behind him. There was built the royal fortress at the command of Geb. Geb speaks to Thoth. Geb speaks to Thoth. Geb speaks to Thoth. Isis causes Horus and Seth to come. Isis speaks to Horus and Seth, come. Isis speaks to Horus and Seth, make peace. Isis speaks to Horus and Seth, life will be pleasant for you when... Isis speaks to Horus and Seth, It is he who dries your tears. Ptah, the Supreme God The gods who came into being in Ptah, Ptah on the great throne, Ptah Nun, the father who made Atum, Ptah Naunet, the mother who bore Atum. Ptah the Great is heart and tongue of the nine gods, Ptah who bore the gods. Ptah, who bore the gods. Ptah. Nefertem, at the nose of Ray every day. There took shape in the heart, there took shape on the tongue, the form of Atum. For the very great one is Ptah, who gave life to all the gods and their cause through his heart and through his tongue, in which Horus had taken shape as Ptah, in which Thoth had taken shape as Ptah. Thus, heart and tongue rule over all the limbs in accordance with the teaching that he, Ptah, is in every body, and he, Ptah, is in every mouth of all gods, all men, all cattle, all creeping things, whatever lives, thinking whatever he wishes and commanding whatever he wishes. Ptah's need is before him as teeth and lips. They are the semen in the hands of Atum. For the Enid of Atum came into being through his semen and his fingers. But the Enid is the teeth and lips in his mouth, which pronounced the name of everything, from which Shu and Tefnut came forth, and which gave birth to the Enid. Sight, hearing, breathing, they report to the heart, and it makes every understanding come forth. As to the tongue, it repeats what the heart has devised. Thus all the gods were born, and his need was completed. For every word of the god came about through what the heart devised and the tongue commanded. Thus all the faculties were made and all the qualities determined 
they that make all foods and all provisions through his word. Thus justice is done to him who does what is loved, and punishment to him who does what is hated. Thus life is given to the peaceful, death is given to the criminal. Thus all labor, all crafts are made, the action of the hands, the motion of the legs, the movements of all the limbs, according to this command, which is devised by the heart and comes forth on the tongue and creates the performance of everything. Thus it is said of Ptah, he who made all and created the gods, and he is Tatenin, who gave birth to the gods, and from whom everything came forth, foods, provisions, divine offerings, all good things. Thus it is recognized and understood that he is the mightiest of the gods. Thus Ptah was satisfied after he had made all things in all divine words. He gave birth to the gods. He made the towns. He established the gnomes. He placed the gods in their shrines. He settled their offerings. He established their shrines. He made their bodies according to their wishes. Thus the gods entered into their bodies. Of every wood, every stone, every clay, everything that grows upon him, in which they came to be, thus were gathered to him all the gods and their cause, content, united with the land of the two lands, content, united with the Lord of the two lands, Memphis, the royal city, the great throne that gives joy to the heart of the gods in the house of Ptah is the granary of Tatenin the mistress of all life, through which the sustenance of the two lands is provided. Owing to the fact that Osiris was drowned in his water, Isis and Nephthys looked out, beheld him, and attended to him. Horus quickly commanded Isis and Nephthys to grasp Osiris and prevent him drowning. They heeded in time and brought him to land. He entered the hidden portals in the glory of the lords of eternity, in the steps of him who rises in the horizon on the ways of Ray at the great throne. He entered the palace and joined the gods of Taten and Ptah, Lord of Years. Thus Osiris came into the earth at the royal fortress, to the north of the land to which he had come. His son Horus arose as king of Upper Egypt, arose as king of Lower Egypt, in the embrace of his father Osiris and of the gods in front of him and behind him. That concludes the audio recording of the Shabaka Stone. I hope you enjoyed this audio recording. The Shabaka Stone is one of the world's most important religious artifacts, and it plays a very important role on our sister podcast, where we dive into comparative religion and share with you the amazing, mind-boggling parallels between religious traditions. I highly recommend checking it out. Just search for the Ancient Tradition Podcast. That wraps up this edition of Audio Writ. Remember in the words of William Shakespeare, knowledge is the wing wherewith we fly to heaven. I'm Jack Logan. You've been listening to The Ancient Tradition, a Wonk Media production.